Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Have you ever um, had a really, really bad dream? Like you have that dream and it just seems so real. Maybe you're falling. You ever have one of those you're falling and you can't, you know, it just doesn't seem to end or you're being chased. You ever have one of those you're being chased and the person that's chasing you is going in regular speed but you're in slow motion. And you just can't seem to get away. Or maybe you're lost somewhere. You're looking around and nothing looks familiar. You're totally lost. You wake up from one of those dreams and all you can think of is, oh, Thank you, God, that that wasn't real. There's such a sense of relief. For, for me, sometimes that dream is usually Saturday night, you know, getting ready for church. And the dream goes like either I, my alarm doesn't go off and I miss Sunday morning or I show up Sunday morning and I didn't get the memo that none of you are here or somewhere else and I'm the only one here. Or I stand up and I forget what I'm supposed to say. There's something crazy like that. And all I can think of is every time I wake up is thank you, I, that that wasn't real. How many of you have ever had a dream and your spouse did something bad in the dream and you're mad at them the whole next rest of the day, right? It just seems so real, right? On the other hand, on the other hand, how many of us have had a really, really bad real life experience, something traumatic, something devastating, some bad news, something happened to somebody that we love or to us? And there's a side of us that's just thinking, boy, if I could just wake up and all of this has just been a dream. That peace would be restored once again. That there'd be, everything in the world would be right again. We all long for peace, don't we? we? We seek after peace. And I'm talking about an inner peace. And unfortunately, most people don't know where to turn. And so they think, well, if it's inner peace, then maybe I've got it somewhere hidden inside of me. And I need to figure out a way to get it out of there. I've, I've got to muster it up. Somehow this peace that I'm longing for, and so we turn to self-help books, figuring we can fix ourselves and give us that, that sense of peace that we're looking for, or maybe we, we, uh, we, we think happy thoughts, or we visualize being in our happy place, and somehow that gives us peace, and maybe it does for a minute or two, but that's not the kind of peace that we're seeking. We want something lasting, something that gets us through the worst times of life. Something with substance. And that peace is only found through Jesus Christ. And here's the good news, that peace is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the fruits of the Holy Spirit since, since January. We're actually wrapping it up today. And it's a fruit. It, it's, it's manufactured not by us, but by the Holy Spirit living in us as followers of Jesus. We don't have to make it happen. It's available to us because Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and the kind of peace that he offers is not like the world offers. It's a peace that the Bible calls the peace that passes all human understanding. It's the kind of peace that says, in the midst of my struggle, my trials, I don't know why, but I have a sense of calm. There's peace. There's somehow I know that God's going to work this out for his good some way. Today, as we wrap up this series called Set Apart, we're going to look at a story that will be somewhat familiar. In fact, a couple of the songs that we sang made reference to this passage of Scripture we're going to look at in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. 
is a story of stress. It's a story of fear. It's a story that had peace available and yet wasn't really tapped into the right way. And, and you're going to see that the disciples find themselves in a very difficult situation. And rather than turn to the Prince of Peace who's there with them, they try to figure it out themselves as we often do. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. If not, the words will be on the screen. Here's what it says. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce Storm. This is not just an average storm. Fierce storm. Mac Daddy of all storms came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence. And a, and a better translation is not this translation I'm using. But it's peace, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the winds and waves obey him. We're going to look at kind of what they did wrong and then how we can get it right when it comes to having peace. And these things that they did, I think we often do as well. And let me just walk through this with you because these four things jumped out at me as I looked at this scripture. The first thing that I think is kind of a warning for all of us, and it's the wrong way about, of going about it, and that is, the, here's what we do. Don't call out to Jesus as a last resort you got to notice that part, as it's part of the story, right? That they waited. Instead of making him the first resort, they made him the last resort. But that kind of makes sense if you think about it because as human beings, we are fixers by nature. We're pretty good at fixing things. If you're a man, you can take it to the next level. Your wife comes to you and she's got a problem. What do you want to do? You want to fix her and fix it. That's what you want to do. But she doesn't want that, right? Normally, she doesn't want you to fix it. She wants to talk about it. She wants to emote a little bit. And we're just trying to fix it. We don't know any better because we're fixers. And, and, and whether you're male or female, we all have that propensity to try to fix things because that's our nature. And sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not so good. It's a blessing and it's a curse. It's, it's, it's kind of a blessing in a way for a lot of reasons that we're able to fix things because we've had life experiences and we've learned a little bit along the way and so when we get in a jam, we're able to kind of take those life experiences and, and we use a little ingenuity and conventional wisdom. And if we can't figure it out all the way, we go to YouTube and find a how-to video and then we get some duct tape and we can fix anything, right? That's just the way we are. It's, it's, it can be a real blessing. We're like MacGyver. You ever you remember MacGyver? Guy can fix anything. So, totally uh, resourceful, creative. He could take a stick of chewing gum and a paper clip and make a nuclear bomb. That's how we do it, right? That's, we think we can fix anything. So it's a blessing, but it's a curse. It's a blessing because we can figure out a lot of stuff, but it's a curse because we become self-reliant rather than spirit-reliant. 
and we start leaning on our own understanding and our own ingenuity and our own wisdom and instead of calling out to Jesus we try to figure it out and and when we can't figure it out then and only then do we call out on Jesus which is the wrong way to go about it but how many of us do that let's go back to the story in Mark chapter 4 verse 37 it says but soon a fierce storm came up high waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water again New Living Translation is probably not the best translation here because it almost gives the impression that it just barely you know it just started like the storm started and it's getting a little water starting to come into the boat but a better translations would put it this way one translation says that the boat was already being swamped and another translation said it was almost full of water so I want you to picture now, you've got these disciples, and they're doing their best MacGyver. They're Mr. Fix-It because they, at least four of them are commercial fishermen. They had a lot of experience. They've been in a lot of fierce storms before. They had been able to weather those storms before. They were still alive to tell the stories about them. And so when they got in the, in the, in the, in the jam, they're doing whatever they knew how to do. And Jesus is sleeping, and they don't bother waking him up because they figure, I got this. Just take your nap. We're good. We're experienced fishermen. We've been underwater all of our lives. And so they're probably struggling, and the winds are getting stronger, and the waves are splashing over, and water is starting, you know, the white caps are caps, you know, coming into the boat. And, and they're bailing, and they're paddling, and they're gritting their teeth, and they're doing what people do, and that's try to work it out. Only this time, the storm was bigger. Only this time they couldn't do it. And at that point, they begin to panic a little bit. And they're thinking, what are we going to do? But isn't that what we do? I mean, isn't that, I know I do that a lot. I'll call out Jesus as a last resort. I got him on, you know, he's the big guns. When I need him, I'll pull the big guns out. I got the rest of it. It's okay. You don't, just don't worry yourself. Just take the nap in the boat. I, I, I got it. It's the wrong way to go about it. And the reason we have these anxiety attacks and, and, and the frustration and the fears and the worries and all these things is because sometimes we don't call on Jesus first. We wait until things get totally out of hand and we do ourselves a disservice. I think many of us are probably in a situation right now, if we're honest, we're saying, you know, I'm in the middle of a storm right now, some kind of storm. And I'm trying to just grit my teeth and, and, and bail and paddle as fast as I can. And the boat's still sinking faster and faster than you can bail it. And for whatever reason, maybe it's your pride, maybe it's that self-reliance. And you're thinking, I, I got it. I got it. And let me tell you something. You may get this one, but sooner or later, there'll be one that'll sink the ship. That's just the way life is. And so the first issue that we need to be careful is, is that we don't call it the Jesus as a last resort. The second thing that I see, and it's a problem for most of us, and that is we need to be careful to not confuse God's timing with lack of care. We need to not confuse God's timing with lack of care. You know, this story in a way is kind of comical and ironic at the same time because these guys, again, they're, you know, they're, they're working hard. They're trying to figure it out. They're trying to make it, make it work. It's not. Fierce storm, water, waves, all that kind of stuff. And they are you know, coming to the point now where they're, they're realizing, hey, we're not going to be able to do this. And they, they're thinking now, is, is what we do a lot, that, that God's timing, you know, it may be different than mine, it usually is, God's timing somehow relates to whether he cares for me or not. 
In other words, if he moves on the timetable that I think he should move on, then I'm going to equate that with God caring for me. But if he doesn't, then he must not care about me. This is what they were doing. Now, here's the ironic part about it, that everything about Jesus up to that point that they knew was always caring. That's all he did. Cared for everybody. Cared for them. Cared for the hurting. Cared for the broken. That's what Jesus did. He's, he's care. That's what he does. And they're questioning that care based on their decision, really, to wait and now it's a panic, you know, th their emergency now has become his emergency and he didn't respond. Why is he taking a nap when they, he knew we're having this problem? And look what happens. Mark 4, 38. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Don't you care? I know so many people sometimes when we get in those jams, our immediately we start pointing fingers at God. And we say, we may not word it that way, don't you care? But that's what we're thinking. Because if you were God and you really loved me, you wouldn't let this happen to me. My loved one wouldn't have died. I wouldn't be sick. I wouldn't be having these problems. If you really loved me, if you really cared for me, you would have taken care of this. But God's timing is perfect. He's never early. He's never late. He's always on time. And remember, God is eternal, which means God doesn't wear a watch. God doesn't bow to time. Time bows to God. He created time. He set this whole idea of time in motion. But he's always right on time. And if, and if there is a season where you're finding yourself waiting, because listen, when you pray, when you call out to God, he always answers. It's either a yes or a no, but many times it's wait, not yet. And if you're in a, in a wait season right now where you're waiting and, and, and you're going through a difficult time, let me just say this. There's a reason behind the wait. God is doing something behind the scenes that's going to glorify himself through this. And in the meantime, if you're in a wait pattern right now, that God is either teaching you some sort of lesson that you need to learn or developing some sort of character attribute in your life right now through that time, then just recognize that's not a lack of his care. It's because he cares that he lets you wait. Think of it that way. It's because he cares that he lets you wait. If you're a parent, think about this. If you're Every time your child snapped your fingers or ring a bell, you ran up there and served them or took care of them, and you never let them fail. You never let them have any problems, and you just stepped in every single moment. You would, you would not raise mature adults at some point. They would, they would have this false idea of what the world's really like, wouldn't it? They would have no attributes of, of, of any kind of character attributes because you've bailed them out of everything. And when God lets us wait, it's because he cares, not because he doesn't care. And it's because he's working. But that's sometimes what we do. That's what they did. That's what they said. Don't you care? Don't you care that we're gonna that we're gonna drown here? You're sleeping in the back of the boat. Don't you see we got an emergency? I think he was teaching them a couple of lessons. Think about this. He's got these disciples, and it, and and it, there's a weight here. Now we know that. For sure, one of the lessons he had to teach them was to stop being self-reliant and depend on him because they waited to call on him. That was one lesson. But there's another lesson I think he's trying to teach them, and that is they're dealing with these, this fear. 
And he wants them to walk in faith. So he's developing this, this faith in them. And what better way to develop faith than to put them in a situation where they've got to exercise some faith. And that's what he's doing. So it's, again, it's for their benefit, but they don't see it that way. Jesus often would do this, and people would often question his care. You remember when his friend, he had a friend named Lazarus. And Lazarus had two sisters named Mary and Martha. And Jesus was with his disciples in, in an adjoining town. And Lazarus got very sick. So Mary and Martha sent a wet message to Jesus. Hey, come quick, your, your buddy Lazarus, he's very, very sick. And Jesus doesn't go when they wanted to, right? His timing was different than theirs. And they snapped their fingers and he didn't show up. And Jesus takes his time and got some things to do and eventually shows up. And by now, Lazarus has been dead for four days. And when he comes up there, here's what's going on. Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, question his care. They say, Jesus, if you would have only come when we asked you to come, our brother would still be alive. Basically, don't you care that our brother has died? The people that were there in the community saw what was going on, and they basically said the same thing. They said, this is the same guy that was giving sight to the blind. Couldn't he have at least come and healed Lazarus? And then Jesus drops the bomb, and he says, look, there's a bigger picture that you guys can't see, and you've determined my timing is a lack of care, but I'm telling you, there's something bigger. And here's what Jesus said. He said, didn't I tell you that if you would believe that you will see the glory of God? Jesus said there's something much bigger. And we've got to be really, really careful when we question his care. Because the Bible is filled with stories about his care. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 30, it says, And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you why do you have so little faith? The song that Kevin sang a minute ago, talking about when he hears those birds, everything's going to be all right. That that's, comes from that same passage of, where Jesus talked about that God takes care of the sparrows. Won't he certainly care for you? In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. Don't ever question whether or not he cares for you. He does. He never wastes a hurt when you're going through a difficult situation. He will use that to make you stronger. Now, let me give you some of the things that we can do. I'm going to give you two things real quick that we, can, that we need to do if we're going, to, we're going to have this peace. Number three is I must learn to replace my fears with faith. I've got to replace my fears, fears with faith. This was basically these two contrasting things working against each other, the fears and the faith. And faith is like a muscle. The more you use faith, the bigger it gets. That's the way faith works. So when you're put in a situation where you have to exercise faith, that's a good thing because when you place your faith in God and you see him come through, the next time you'll have more faith. So it, it's, it builds on itself. And again, he's trying to build faith in them and so he puts, allows them to go through this situation. In Mark chapter four, verse 40, he said, asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why are, you still, why are you afraid? You're with me. I'm the Prince of Peace. I'm here to allow you to have faith, but you're falling back on that fear. And the Bible says that we're called to live by faith. 
not by sight. It tells us faith is the substance of things that are unseen. So we're to live by faith, not by sight. Anybody can live by sight. But my eyes tell me one thing, my faith tells me another. And we've got to learn how to do this because we're human, so we use our senses. And what I, my sight tells me is not always the right picture. It's, it's, it's the physical picture, but it's not the right picture because they've got a God who is omnipotent working behind the scenes. So my eyes tell me one thing, but my faith tells me something else. Now, when you rely on sight, Fears are the result. In their case, think about what they were seeing. This is what they saw. Humanly speaking, this is what they saw. Big storm, little boat, lots of water. Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat. He doesn't care about us. And the result of that is we're going to drown, so there's fear. Sight led to their fear. Now, had they been walking in faith, things would have been different. Let me tell you how it would have looked. There's still some things that you can't deny. It's a big storm. It's a little boat. There's lots of water. Faith doesn't deny that. But where it changes is that, again, big storm, small boat, lots of water. But here's what faith says. I got a bigger God. And I, got a, and I have the Prince of Peace sleeping in the boat with me. Everything's going to be all right. The result of that is more faith. Don't live by just what your eyes tell you. Live by faith. Now, again, I know for a lot of people, they, they struggle with that whole idea. And they say, well, how do you have faith? Where do you get faith? Well, here's what the scripture tells us in Romans 10. Verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want to build your faith, get into the word of God. The more you know God, the more you love God, the more you'll trust God. The more you trust God, the more he, he shows himself faithful, the more you'll trust him even more. It's like a snowball. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, some people say, well, I, don't, I just don't have that kind of faith. I don't have faith. And I want to push back on that and tell you the Bible says that every person is given a measure of faith. You have faith. Some people have more faith than others, but that's because they've been exercising their faith. Some of us haven't used it, but you've got it. You say, well, I don't have faith. You do have faith. Every single person who drove here today had put faith in that automobile. You, you stepped on the pedal on the right and you had faith. It was going to go. You stepped on the pedal on the left. You had faith that you were going to stop. And you're all here, so I'm assuming that that happened, right? You, every person exercised faith when you sat in your chair. You didn't have to call an engineer and say, would you do a, you know, a, a, an evaluation of whether or not this will hold my weight? You, you, sat, you know why? Because every time you've sat in a chair, it's, it's, it's still standing. So you have faith. When you get in an airplane, you have faith. You have faith that the pilot's going to get you where you need need to get there. Now, you may not get there as fast as you thought. Or you might be some delays, but you have faith that sooner or later you're going to get there. Why? Because every time you've done it, you've been able to get there. When you go to the pharmacy and you give them the prescription and they fill it and give you these bottle of pills, you have faith when you take that pill. You don't know what's in there. You, I've never once taken those pills and go, you know, I better send this to a lab to make sure this is what he's done. 
I just take it. It could be rat poison, but it has so far so good. Right? I, I believe faith has told me I can, I can trust. That's what faith does. So we have to, if we're going to have peace, we've got to replace those fears with faith. And it's a matter of trusting more and more and more. Now, let me give you the last thing. And the most important, and that is this. Jesus is the only true source of peace. Period. That peace, you're not going to find it in yourself. You're not going to find it on YouTube. You're not going to find it by visualizing your happy place. It's Jesus. And Jesus alone. Here's what it says in Mark 4.39. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the wave, silence or peace, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the winds and waves obey him. He's the source of peace. In the middle of the storm, he's like, hey, peace, be still. Everything calms down. And when we walk by that kind of faith, here's what we know. That we're in the middle of that storm. He's either going to do something miraculous. Either he's going to calm the storm or he's going to calm my heart. And he's going to help me get through it. Because let's just face it, sometimes storms don't just go away. Some of you are in some storms today. What about, where are you? You know, I mean, some of you have got divorce storm right now. You're going in the middle of and the wind and the waves. They're just about to sink you. Maybe you've got a health storm right now. And you're struggling. Maybe, maybe it's some other type of relationship or maybe it's a financial storm or maybe it's an addiction storm or maybe it's a depression storm, but you've got a storm right now and, and I just want to encourage you if you're in the middle of the storm that just let you know that your only true source of peace is Jesus, period. Those other methods and things at the, ultimately are not going to give you that long-lasting peace that passes all human understanding. And that's not to say you shouldn't try to, you know, think good, positive things and all that. It's just simply to say that if you really want that kind of peace, then you've got to turn to the Prince of Peace who can calm the winds and the waves. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said this, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. That's where it's found. Here on earth, You'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Jesus didn't sugarcoat it. He said, look, there are going to be storms. Here on earth, there's going to be trials and sorrows and storms and all kinds of things that you don't want to deal with. But you've got to find your peace in me. You just, it's the only place you're going to find it. Because the world is tough. And I think sometimes we just need to remember that he's already won the victory. You know, sometimes I watch ESPN classics. I was recently watching the 2016 national championship where Clemson won and they beat Alabama. And you might remember that game because it was the first one they had won in 35 years at that point, first national championship. Now, I saw the game live. I wasn't there, but I watched it on TV. I knew the result of that game. But as I watched it again years later, there, if you remember, it's, a, it's, a, it's like the last play of the game. Deshaun Watson's a quarterback. Hunter Renfro's out there, right? And I'm watching this, and I'm tense, and I'm nervous. I'm like, what are we going to do? We're going to last play of the game. Are we going to win? Are we going to lose? What are we going to do? 
And it's like slow motion. You see Renfro kind of go off there. And Deshaun throws in the pass. And I'm like, catch it! Catch it! Don't drop it! I already saw the game. I knew he caught it. <laughs> but that's what you're feeling, right? Like, like no, don't drop it! And he catches it. I'm like, oh, thank you. He did it. And I think we, sometimes that's how we get. We, we know we've got a God who's overcome everything. We know we've got a God who wins in the big story, in the big scene. You know, we're, we're, it's all coming together. And we allow our fears for today and his anxiety and the worry of things that are already taken care of, but we are afraid to place our faith in him and we'd rather wallow in our fears. And, and I'm just saying, guys, that's not the way we should live. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you if, if you have received Christ. The Prince of Peace, his spirit lives in you. You don't have to try to muster it up. You just allow the fruit of the Holy Spirit by yielding yourself to him. And we can have that peace. That's what we need. I've got something I want you. I just want you to think of this. I'm going to, what I say right here, right? I think for some of us, we have this idea that if some point in my life, all of my problems go away, then I'll have peace. And I just want to tell you, that's a fallacy. That is never going to happen. Jesus said, here on earth, you're going to have these problems. Here's what I want you to remember. Peace is not the absence of problems. It's the presence of God in the midst of my problems. That's peace. It's not the absence of problems. It's the presence of God in my problems. You remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 23? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. His presence in the midst of our problems give us peace. Would you allow him to offer you that today and would you receive that from him today? Because you're not going to find it anywhere else. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the peace that passes all human understanding. God, I remember a time in my life before I knew you that I was trying to make this happen, trying to find peace in anything I could and I couldn't find it. I longed for just knowing that everything was okay. But when I met you, even though there was still crazy stuff going on because life happens and bad things happen and, and traumatic things happen, but there was a sense of peace for the first time. And God, I pray that in this room there are people who are longing for that same peace that have never placed their faith in you. But today would be the day that they find peace forgiveness and salvation in that eternal peace that says at the end of the day, no matter what, my eternity is secure in Christ. God, I pray for those people who are in the midst of some sort of storm today, not a literal one, but it's, it's some sort of difficult time they're going through. And I'm praying that you either calm the storm or calm their heart, but God, that you would walk and give them peace. The peace is that passes all human understanding. The peace that we scratch our head and say, I know I should be nervous right now and I should be worried and I should be a mess, but somehow I feel peace. That's the kind of peace. So God, I pray you do what you do best through your Holy Spirit. That we would just trust, that we would just allow that faith that we have to be built by exercising it 
trusting you over and over again. And God, I pray for those people who don't have a relationship with you but want it, that want what I'm talking about, that today would be the day they say yes. And if that's you, maybe just as a way of commitment of your heart, just pray a prayer similar to this. Jesus, right here, right now, I give you my life. I I lay down my life before you. I long for inner peace in my soul. I want your forgiveness. I believe that you died on that cross for me and I place my faith in you, my trust in you right now. So be my Lord and my Savior. God, thank you. We, we couldn't begin to express how thankful we are that you will walk through us no matter what we go through. And when we hear the birds or when we see the wildflowers, we know that everything's gonna be all right. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.